0: Hi, how are you? <laughs> um, so you found the room, you opened it even, that's perfect. Um, could you do me a favor and um, click on my profile and then um, on the bottom it says make moderator, I think. Um, so I can like um, invite people to speak and um, yet, yeah, you know, I'm allowed to moderate the room.
1: Yes, so.
0: Uh, Can you find, so if you click on my, oh, no, 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 no. Um, Maybe later. So if you click on my profile, there's like different options. And one is uh, make moderator. Oh, perfect. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, because I don't want you to be distracted with all the, uh raising hands and chat and options like that so thank you how are you today
1: fine thank you very much uh, actually thank you for helping me because uh, i won't be able to do that so <laughs> it's my second time in these platforms so it's very difficult
0: yeah
1: yeah <laughs> thank you for the invitation again
0: yeah sure of course so um yeah i'll uh we'll start in five to six six minutes so um in the meantime i'll just be inviting people i'm sharing it on twitter so uh, i'll be a little bit quiet but um you know if you have any question, you can ask me in the meantime things.
2: okay thank you Good evening,
0: everyone. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. how are you? I've been pinging people I didn't see. Mm-hmm. We're here. Um, yeah, meet uh, Dr. Cucucci. Um, so um, yeah, thanks for coming.
3: Hello, Dr. Kukuchi. How are you?
1: I thank you. Good evening. Please, please call me Emma. It's Emmanuel is my name. So.
3: Emmanuel,
1: OK. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you,
3: too. Really excited to hear about your your experiment.
1: Thank you very much. Fantastic. I'm very excited, and it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to present here our work.
3: Yeah. Um, so for everyone in the audience, we're gonna start in just you know a minute or so. Katarina is just you know pinging people in and sharing the room. Um, so yeah, we're gonna start soon
4: please feel free to ping people in as well and share the room so that we can have a nice discussion.
3: Yes, and also please um, tap the greenhouse on top and follow the club, join the club, um, Science Society. We have a lot of rooms like this where we have speakers from all over the world come and talk about their wonderful research um literally all walks of science all fields all different parts of it um so yeah please uh join the club so you can be notified when we have another cool room like this one thank you
0: okay okay Uh, we can uh, slowly start so um, and then we can always uh, refresh the room so welcome everyone to the Science Society and we are very um, honored to have our guest speaker here today um, so yeah meet um, um, Emma Cucucci. Um, he um, let me just tell you a little bit about him. So, in, he studied uh, he studies basic mechanism of membrane trafficking, and he is interested in how these processes deviate during cancer development uh, compared to normal cells or healthy cells. And um, his uh, he uh, did his um, uh, PhD at the molecular in molecular medicine. At the Vita Salute San Rafael University, and um, he did his clinical. So he he is an MD PhD. So he uh, studied medicine and surgery at the University of Milano, and uh, in 2004 he was uh, he did the clinical pharmacology um, also at the University of Milano. He received several awards. And um, yeah, and published a lot of very interesting papers. So yeah, we are very honored to have you here today and share with us our your um, one of the newest papers. And I added the, the open source version of the paper to the room. So if you want to follow the discussion, uh, please go ahead and click the link. And uh, yeah, just the room is recorded, so we can share it with our members that from Europe or other places in the world where it's currently nighttime or a time that's not convenient, so people can listen to it later. So uh, yeah, thank you, and the stage is yours.
1: Thank you so much, Katrina, for the amazing introduction. It's a great pleasure to be here. Uh, and uh, present you this work um i i i i I start by just giving some brief introduction about um, what uh, the work is about and the process of endocytosis. I don't know if this something that works and please uh, ask me question interrupt me whenever you want so that I can try to put the stage and the idea of the problem that we studied in this paper and why it uh, we think is uh, something very important um so, the, the idea in general is that um, um, clathrin-the mediated endocytosis was discovered uh, in 1975 by Barbara Pierce. Uh, she was uh, able to purify clathrin coats uh, from uh, pig brain. Uh, this is how everything started. And what was amazing by these electron micrographs of this kind of fraction, uh, so it was taken from homogenates of brain, was that there were these, these small cages uh, that were surrounding vesicles. So, the coat is name of the coat of the clathrin. so I don't know if it's very basic, but it's because you have basically a coat that is made of clathrin around vesicle. So, from there on, has been a, a long way of thinking how something round can come out, right, from a membrane that is in general threat of having, let's say, a curvature in the opposite direction. If you think about the curvature of our cells, if you want to do a vesicle that is internalized nutrients, you have to change the flat surface of the membrane to something that is curved. And um, electron microscopy gave the opportunity by, let's say, unroofing the cells, right, and looking into the cells, how they are assembled, will give the opportunity to see how clathrin is basically assembling. And what is interesting is that clathrin is a protein made of three um, heavy chains that assemble into a unit that is called a triskelion. So it has, let's say, three edges and these three edges basically uh, are able then to interact with other triskelions generating shapes that are hexagon pentagons and heptagons Um, and this is uh, interesting because if you think about honeycombs right now when you have hexagons you have only a flat surface and it's only when you insert in some structure a structure like a pentagon that now you get Curvature because you change basically the angle. And uh, basically, from historically, because it was possible to look in the cells and see flat and then structures that are not flat but just have a certain small curvature but are very large patches, this was this idea that you can have a complete change from flat into a curved structure by a very sudden change and redistribution of all the cluttering molecules from flat into a sphere. Um, And this clearly, if happens, requires a very strong change in all the geometry and assembling of the structure and would change several properties. But you have to think that uh, historically we didn't have the instruments that give the opportunity to have not only a very high resolution, let's say like the electron microscope, but also the time resolution, because the ElectroMicros can give only snapshots of what's happening, but also giving the possibility of looking stuff while they are happening. And so, um, is thanks to Eric Betzig, uh, that is also Nobel Prize for the development of Storm, right, that he developed also TerraSIM, basically is the technology that allows to go behind the diffraction limit of a spot and gives you a more precise geometry of what is, let's say, um, um, what we can visualize. So let me give you one second to open the version of the bio archive.
2: So I want to see if the other, I think that the order of the figure is the same of the other paper, but I want just to be sure that we are looking at the same thing. Um, Let me know if you have a question or if it's clear or if I'm saying stuff that doesn't make any sense for you. Or if I'm boring you to help.
0: No, all
2: good. Thank you. Just to know because I don't hear anyone, so I don't know. Um,
1: So, so, okay, so now the problem is the solution, right? The possibility to go beyond the limit and look really at what is happening
2: in real time. In forming carbon coated vesicles. So if you look basically in the okay in the first figure now, there is a simulation. So we, here it gives you
1: the idea of what we are looking at, right? So if you look, for example, in figure A, you can see that we have a flat lattice. So this first model this is the model where you have a st- sudden change, right? If you grow this flat lattice of clathrin on the plasma membrane, then at a certain point you have to have this abrupt transition from flat to curved, and this uh, remodeling would change completely the projection of the surface of the object over, let's say, the on the on the surface behind, right? Instead, if you have a Continuous formature of curvature, so that you insert one triskelion at a time, and once in a while you get the pentagon, right? And you make something that is spherical. To give you an idea, the typical so here in the modeling we are using larger objects, but typical cartilaginous vesicle can be similar to let's say a soccer ball, just to give you an idea. So you have in a soccer ball uh, 60 faces, I think something like that. 12. Are always pentagons, right? But then the others are all hexagons. So if you look at the soccer ball, when you have the pentagon, then it's surrounded always by hexagons. The insertion also there of the pentagon gives this change in shape. And the problem of the pentagon and hexagon is something that returns in nature because, for example, the structure of fullerene made of carbon atoms also has the problem that only when you insert pentagons now you have the curvature. So, however, the idea is that if you then look at the at the idea of how so so. Two things, Turf sim has these properties, so total internal reflection microscopy means that you have a laser beam that is completely reflected at the glass at the glass interface. When you have this reflection at the glass interface, basically you generate a, what is called the evanescent wave above the glass that excites basically fluorophore, right? So the propagation of this light is only for the first, let's say 100 nanometer above the glass, okay, just to give you an idea. And this is decaying exponentially. So you excite very well, fluorophores that are very near to the glass. The, the more you are distant, the less you can excite molecules. Okay, and this is the first thing. The second thing is that is C, so it's structural illumination. So basically, this is a, we can then go deeper in that. but it is that by projecting specific shapes over the image that we are watching, we can go behind the normal resolution, so now we can get uh, the pattern of the object and then we will come later on this so that I can show you better on an image what does it mean okay however now if you look at what we expect if we have the flat object now you will be able because we are looking at using a turf seam so we can uh, go beyond the diffraction limit because the electrical vesicle is under the diffraction meter light because it's in general in the range of 100 nanometer in size okay um you will have a change of the surface that has to reorganize from what will be the complete spread of this surface of an object that is 100 nanometer in diameter on the surface into something that is round. instead if we have the continuous growth we are just growing over time so now if you think about this from a an intensity perspective what is happening is that in one case you will have the intensity that grows a lot because we are looking at the turf seam. So when it's flat, it's always very near the glass, the molecules. So we are exciting all of them. And upon change in the shape now you will excite less all the all the object right instead in the case of the of the constant growth we have an increase in intensity and then an equilibrium because the molecules are also getting out from the turf field right and on the other side when you project the image so which is the surface that we are occupying with our with our uh, object this has an abrupt an, an abrupt change because in the flat you have to have this reorganization and so this is what is shown in s just to give you an idea so there basically you can see that the the projected area abruptly change when you if you look at the blue that is the flat to curve transition and so now if you do simulation and there we go to b right you can see that we have this change from the honeycomb kind of structure that is the top uh, blue object so the flat to transition to insert these pentagons and then we have something that is round and we use 70% in the simulation because it's what was uh, postulated in the previous published work. So they were assuming that the change from flat to curve transition was around 70% of the formation of the object. In the constant curvature, instead, you will have a constant growth. Now let's go back to the idea of turf TurfSim, right? If I am able to look behind the diffraction limit right now. If I have a flat object in C, and all the pl- cluttering coated, mo- the cluttering molecules are near the glass, I will have basically a disk, a projection, basically the disk that is completely continuous on the surface, the only comes right. This would appear just like a disk in the fluorescence intensity, as is shown in the top row of C. Okay, when there is then the transition, because now it becomes a dome, you will have a high intensity on the edges while it will be empty in the side, but not because it is empty, but because the molecules that are in the top of the object are far away from the glass. And so you, it will appear like a donuts. Uh, I, I, is, is this concept clear?
2: Um,
1: so, So in the case instead of the continuous growth of the curvature, the moment that basically we have the appearance of the donuts is because now the dome is growing and the molecules that are on the top start to be too far away from the glass to be strongly excited by the turf uh, uh, decaying uh, expression decaying illumination while the side of the object still remain illuminated and so maintain this kind of dome shape for all basically the life of the pit that then, then clo- by closing and recruiting uh, molecules on the, on, the, on the bottom of the pit will be filled. And this is, let's say, the, 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 the one of the last picture in C. So, basically, this is to give you the idea of what was the expectation. So, the idea was uh, we have this new technology, give us the opportunity to look uh, uh, in an unbiased way of what is happening. So, if we have a curvature transition, we should have a disk that became a donut at a certain point. If we have and this change should be also followed by a change in the in uh, in the in the intensity, right? The change in intensity in the, in the projection. Instead, in the case of the curve curvature, the dome uh, should start to disappear early. So we should have the donuts earlier and then the donuts should remain constant for a long time before disappearing. So this was all the postulate, right? So this is the idea of what we were looking for. And then basically, what will happen is that we did images uh, of many cell types to um, uncover these uh, differences and what we could see. So, now in figure two are just some example of some objects. So, now these are the true cells. Uh, here we're watching using different markers, either um, a clathrin labeled with a fluorescent protein called Ruby, uh, the basically, it's just a red fluorescent protein, uh, or using the adapter protein. Complex AP2 uh, in the AP2 GFP cells where uh, the marker is green fluorescent protein. So what I didn't tell you is that clathrin does not do all the job alone. So clathrin, as I said, is a molecule that is made of three heavy chains, and that there are also three light chains, but the three heavy chain have a, have a different binding site on their edges for adapters, and the major and most important adapter in general is the one so-called adapter protein complex two (AP2), which is made of four different subunits. And basically, these adapters are the ones that are able to bind both to the plasma membrane and to clathrin. So clathrin normally does is cannot bind to membrane. Okay, only the adapter can and is the recruitment of adapter on the plasma membrane through by binding to lipids and uh, to receptor, then then can start the assembly of a coated vesicle. So these are all dynamics processes. You have to think about as a cell, as a very chaotic place where many interaction between protein can take place, but each one of these interactions is very weak. So nothing tends to happen, right? And when there is sufficient uh, uh, interaction, then something can start. So in the case, for example, clinical vesicle, we demonstrated previously that the recruitment of 2p2 on the plasma membrane uh, can be clamped then by a 3 then that will start the assembly of a clinical vesicle because it gets sufficient equilibrium to have the momentum to recruit more 3-skillium adapters. However, many of these structures tends to fade off the so-called abortives. And only few can make the late stages showed, for example, in these pictures. Um, so um, we have used the both, uh, someone finds are less cancer cell lines. So, as I was saying, figure 2A. We have used the monkey cell lines, the DSC1, green monkey cell lines. We have used the uh, COS7 cells. And in all of these, you can see that we can appreciate these uh, growth and the appearance of these uh, donuts kind of shape. That suggests basically that the growth was indeed of a constant curvature. But to do that, we prove it by doing uh, analysis and an unbiased kind of approach to detect and track uh, each single of these uh, forming objects. And basically, what we did was was to align this object at the first uh, frame where Donuts was appearing, and then look how the behavior was happening um, before and after it, right? Um, so in Figure three, basically what you can see is that we have the projection how the area change over time in the constant cells and how the donuts appear. And so you can see basically that the maximum uh, area appear around
2: the the eighty uh, percent of the completion and basically shows that there is a constant curvature. Um, and you can see again the idea of the donut is that basically because we are breaking the limit,
1: the diffraction limit of the intensity, uh, sorry, the diffraction limit of the light, you can see basically in, in B uh, that uh, we can discriminate the two edges of the donuts, and they are basically apart uh, roughly one hundred
2: nanometers. So this shows basically the diameter of the of the vesicle. Do do you have questions? Do you want
4: to Yeah, I have a question. Have... i I spent a a good deal of time doing all atom membrane protein simulations at some point. Um I'm curious about the is there a preference for the adaptins? Is there a preference for lipid composition in terms of um polyunsaturation or fully saturated?
1: Do you know? It's a very, it's a very fantastic question. So the the, the the very interesting. I mean, is is very interesting. So, the the plasma membrane is rich in a, a phospholipid that is called phosphenositides and the adapters binds. So, the adapter AP2 binds uh, very well to the phosphoinositide PI 45 five. So, the 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 phosphoinositide. PIP2 so-called, so basically as the uh, phosphorylation on the position 4 and 5 of the inositol ring. And this is uh, very important because during the maturation of the vesicle actually, the composition, the lipid composition changes and there are phosphatases that change it from PI4-5 into PI4 and these change the equilibrium Mm. in the structure because the AP2 will tend to detach when the vesicle basically is nearly finished and another protein that is called auxilin can instead bind very well to the phosphoinositide 4 and this auxilin brings also then with it a a a ATPases 70 which basically are able to uh, turn twist the clathrin triskelion uh, in a, in a clockwise direction and basically uncage the, the, the coat from the vesicle so it's, ve- it's very important what you are bringing up so yes yeah, sure so there is a huge uh, regulatory complex uh, uh, um, complex uh, kind of regulatory uh, steps in the formation of the vesicle. Plasma membrane in general are enriched into, into the phosphenositide 4-5, while, for example, endosomes have more the PI3, the PI 3, for example. And so, they tra- during the transition for the 4-5 to 4 and then in 3, basically, there is a, a change in the lipid composition that uh, follow the change of the kind of compartment that the vesicle is going to be... Uh, embedded in, right? So I think is is a is a, ve- a very good question. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So so basically, the during the formation of the vesicle, however, we can consider that the most important lipid is the phospholipid uh, the which is the one where AP2 binds to, and also other adapter binds to that. So for example, also the adapter protein CAM that is also mentioned in this paper, we did the experiments at the end, is also binding to the 4.5, but has also a preference for uh, for the four and the five and, and this in another paper um, we, we suggest that this kind of difference can be linked to the fact that the calm may be recruited also at the end of the vesicle, promoting the closure of the of the vesicle itself. Um, so yeah, um, and they, they again the the affinity for this uh, binding is is uh, is very low, so they tends to fall apart very fast. It's like a micromolar kind of scale. So this is also important because they, it's pretty dynamic system. But you have many copies, right? So in one vesicle like this, you have more than eighty copies of the adapter ad- 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 protein AP2, and uh, here, I think in the simulation we do is like 163 billion, so there are, there is a huge number of copies of the of the
2: proteins that we are considering, um, and so so here basically what happens is that then uh, we clusterize the
1: different vesicle according to their lifetime and therefore their size into small, medium, and large uh, vesicle, and then we we look at the projection of the area by always. Synchronizing them to the first frame where the donuts can be visible, basically, and you can see that by the plot we have, the plot is much more similar to what it is—the—the—the—the uh, the, 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 the area change for a, a, a con- constant curvature kind of plot rather than a transition. There is not this abrupt change in
2: surface from large to small as expected from the other kind of plot. If you wanted the opposite. Um, then fundamentally, uh, in Figure five, we show something
1: that is uh, again similar, giving the idea. So you have to think. So I want to put some context here. Um, it was very difficult for us to publish this paper uh, because. Uh, it He's, it was a period when we started to do this work that uh, the, the field was extremely excited about this uh, uh, flat to curvature transition that uh, clearly, if you ask us, uh, uh, this is not really happening. These are clearly our believe There are groups that think completely the opposite compared to us. And it was very difficult for us to to convince reviewers. So many of the experiments we have done, many are repetition of the same concept because it was very difficult to come through and to make the people understanding how uh, these uh, fetical transition actually does not uh, uh, really happen, at least in the general. So let's say we cannot assume it for any kind of vesicle, but let's say every vesicle that we detected and tracked in a cell and also in the embryo of Drosophila that you can unambiguously define as a single vesicle growing alone uh, where there are no other vesicle uh, very near it, so that uh, the signal is not perturbated by any other kind of structure, it is never doing uh, a, a growth that is resembling the model of the uh, flat to curvature transition. Is always much more uh, similar and uh, can be, let's say, suggested to be just a constant curvature uh, object. Um, and so here basically we demonstrate that uh, the, the, the 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 experiment is again to show that, that there is not this kind of change considering the intensity um of the of from 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 what is expected from flat to curve. So again, this is what I was uh discussing before, right? So if you have an evanescent field, if you look at A, you are exciting very much only the proteins that are very near to the glass. The more you are distant, the less intensity uh, you can collect from these uh, molecules because they are not excited by the laser right and then when you close the vesicle near the end you excite again many molecules because are the ones that are very near to the glass that are closing the vesicle and uh, again when you have the constant curvature you should expect that you have uh, the uh, you you reach more a plateau because you, the molecules that you are adding basically are the one that you are losing on the opposite side and then you have again an increase and basically again the the, the behavior that we get is much more similar to the uh, constant curvature where you have uh, more or less an increase, and then a plateau, rather than what is happening or expected from the flat to curve transition, when you should have a abrupt change also in the intensity that should decrease
2: when you rearrange from flat to curved objects. Um,
4: well, so I'm curious. Um, yeah, please. What 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 was the the controversy with the reviewers, or what? I mean, I'm missing an appreciation of of. Um, of the actual controversy?
1: Yeah, the controversy was that basically, um, if you look uh, if you look uh, in the papers published in the last, let's say, uh, two, three years, so before our work came out, so it, our work remained in bioarchive for several times. Um, there was many reviews, for example, from other groups that were saying that uh, uh, the important things to be studied was uh, how flat to curve transition was taking place and what were the molecules involved in this flat to curve transition, right? So, when we were coming out saying that flat to curve transition did not really happen, right? And the, the, the reviewer were just uh, uh, didn't really accept the data for what they were because they were not just believing that what we were saying could be true. That that basically was the, 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 the controversy. So they were not believing that uh, could be possible, that in reality was not existing the flat to cool transition and were just a model of constant curvature. That was basically the, the difficulty for us. So there was, let's say, like a, a, a dogma and people were believing just a certain kind of view and were not allowing us, for
2: example, to, to, to share our work.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I've lived through that frustration before, but um, I want to um, d- just get a better picture of what you mean when you say there was no transition. I Maybe mean, I must have missed that. But, uh, and so, so if you look here, like if you
1: look at figure 5A, right? So if you assume that there is a flat-to-curve transition, right, and you have, let's say, 100 molecules when you have the, uh, the, the 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 assembled object right and when you are at 80 percent the of the object you have to rearrange this flat object right all the molecules basically 80 molecules around the membrane into a curved object right now because the diameter of the object would become let's say 100 nanometer the molecules on the top of the object will be far away from the glass. Okay. So flat to core transition means that uh, you have to break all the flat object that is made only in hexagons, right, as we discussed before. Took away this molecule, put them back, adding pentagons, because they have to be the same and reach again that intensity. To do this rearrangement, this big rearrangement, basically, you would have biophysically to measure this steady increase in intensity as showed by the blue line in figure B, in panel B in figure five, right? And at the moment of the rearrangement, you should have a dramatic drop in intensity because now you have the molecules that have to go on the top, right? Because you reassemble everything no? and now you are, they are not illuminated by the flat, by the turf field. Do you, do you follow me? And, and now you have the finishing of the vesicle.
4: Instead... Yeah, I, have to, I have to just keep switching back to, to unmute my mic from the f- figures, so... Ah, okay, thank <laughs> you, no,
1: no, sorry, because uh, without seeing faces, so, you know, I, I'm not very right, familiar, right, right. so I don't know, I, uh, it's very difficult. Uh, no, but I, instead,
4: I, I, I'm following, I'm following, yeah.
1: Okay, good, good, thank you very much. Well, in the, in the case of the constant curvature, what happens is that you are, you are slowly adding uh, the molecules of the edge, of the vesicle that basically is uh, like a dome that is growing, right?
2: Mm-hmm. right. And
1: uh, and so and so you you basically arrive a plateau because when you are adding molecules on the side of the dome because the vesicle grows only on the side. This also I didn't tell you. This is my sorry, right? You see, so because when when you when your vesicle is growing and you Start with a few triskillian in the center. Basically, you, assemb- you let's say you will assemble the first hexagon. Then you will add the molecules at the edges of the vesicle, and you add more and more molecules at the edges of the of the structure that is growing. Right? It's growing like uh, mm-hmm. from the center to the periphery. And each molecule you add, let's say on some you will add the pentagon and would increase the curvature. But you are always adding molecules at the edges because the structure is very rigid of the clathrin, As I mentioned you, when uh, the structure is complete, you need ATP to break the cage and disassemble it.
2: Mm, so you need a lot okay. of
1: energy, you see? So, so you're building it at the sides. And so what is happening is that while you're building, you add more molecules on the side, and the molecules that are on the top start to get more slowly, far away from the glass, and the more they are far from the glass, the less they are excited by this evanescent field that decays exponentially from the glass surface towards uh, the, let's say, more deep space above the glass, right? Far away from the glass.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, basically, this would lead to fundamentally an increase in intensity at the beginning. And when you reach a constant, uh, the constant growth by which you add on the sides, you would have basically a plateau with a slight increase in intensity. It is what actually we saw then in cells. As you can see in the cells, for example, we see uh, that if you align them all for the first formation of the ring, that is the time zero in uh, figure C, you can see that uh, according to each cell, you know, as it's a little different behavior because the codes are not all the same and it is a standard deviation. Uh, This is the gray area. But you can clearly see that there is, uh, let's say, a slow growth and then something like a plateau, right? That is what you would expect from the constant curvature. But you never see, basically, an abrupt change from a very constant increase in intensity then a sudden drop due to the reassemble that is necessary in a flat-to-curve transition.
4: I see. So when um, when the vesicle is, uh, or as it's growing, and and you know I get the part with it's it's growing at the edges, as it's as it starts to reach its um its maximum diameter, this hundred nanometers, and um the 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 membrane at, at that point would have a pretty sharp curvature to it, or is that where the ATP has to cleave it and pinch it off?
1: No, okay, no ATP comes much later. So the point is, as you said, right? So. If you think about having, let's say, a diameter of roughly 100 nanometer, right? Uh, when you are, let's say, in the range of uh, half way, you are 50 nanometer from the glass. So so when the top of the dome is 50 nanometer from the glass, you can assume that you are exciting the floor for, let's say, half of the intensity or half of the amount that you expect of the glass. So now, the contribution from the top decrease and this is the reason why we see the do- donuts right
4: mm-hmm.
1: and you won't see the donuts basically in the flat to curve transition until the late, late stages because the flat object would always be completely embedded into the, the evanescent field you see right so mm-hmm. now w- when then you build it you have this steady increase when then you have the vesicle that is complete, nearly at the pinching phase, so let's say when you basically see the complete circle, right? So when basically the vesicle is finished and the uh, a, a other protein that I didn't talk about yet, that is dynamine is coming and is pinching the neck of the vesicle, releasing the vesicle, at that moment the lipids can basically is the transition between uh, a little before and when dynamin comes, the lipids basically cannot diffuse anymore through the neck of the vesicle. And so now the phosphatase are, let's say, more active because you don't have coming of new lipids, right? And so now you start to lose the concentration of the for five towards having more 5 or 4. And now you get more 4 actually, and now you get the change in the composition. So that is very I very see. late in the formation of the vesicle. I see,
4: and there's a whole other active process with dynamin that does the pinching.
1: Yeah, dynamin. So basically, when you form a vesicle, actually is another interesting part of this process, right? So you don't need the energy until the vesicle is finished. So you need the ve- the energy to pinch the vesicle because dynamin is a GTPase. So you you need um, you need GTP there, and then you need ATP to uncage the clathrin triskelia, otherwise you don't need energy. And if you think about this, it's a very extremely uh, smart uh, approach for the cell, because what happens is that the cells could randomly start the formation of vesicles anywhere, right? But now the vesicle will be completely formed only when something interesting is happening. Something like, for example, capturing a receptor, receptor, and this is still something that is under debate; that is not
2: very well cleared.
1: Uh, so there are receptors like transfer receptors that do not signal transduction, but seems that a vesicle that is empty, so does not have a receptor and so on, tends to fall apart. And this is the reason why I was mentioning before that there are so-called abortives that are structures that don't make to becoming a vesicle, but fall apart much earlier than what we are measuring in these papers. In this paper, we don't measure any object that we don't think that became a vesicle. So every one of these objects has a lifetime that is consistent with becoming a vesicle. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm clear. Um, because, mm-hmm. so so there are objects that fall apart in the first uh, five to 20 seconds of the life of a clathrin coated vesicle. And the coated, true clathrin coated vesicle, let's say, usually are longer lived than 20 to 30 seconds. <laughs> are in the range, of, the, the perfect one, let's say, is assumed to be one minute with one skillion recruited per second, something like that. Okay, this is the, the general idea. So, so, so I'm talking about falling apart of objects in the very, very uh, uh, early stages of assembly. And this can be very useful, right? Because cell can start a vesicle anywhere and then the only ones that are able to proceed are the ones that are useful because they're internalizing something so the cells spend energy only when it's internalizing something that may be useful for
2: uh, uh, itself so i think that is a very interesting yeah. app-
4: yes yes um the so the heck about what's their length scale
1: uh, um so i so if you go to just yeah so uh, so each triskelion actually is very interesting. So the triskelion um, is a, is an arm, right? So it has has basi- it basically is a is an object with the three uh, legs, right? And be- from one to the next leg is roughly 40 nanometer. That if you think about from a cell perspective is very huge. So because uh, a, a transferrin molecule, for example, that is the protein that brings iron and gets internalized by cluttering contact vesicle is in the range of five nanometer, right? So from one edge to the next of the triskelion, there is roughly 40 nanometers. So now if you look at the hexagon, uh, yeah, I, I will say that you have basically 40 nanometer between
2: the two, the two opposite edges of the, of the hexagon, but I won't be. And for I think so. Because basically you have to think that this is on the round surface. mm
4: mm-hmm. So yeah. So about a forty nanometers, but then the whole vesicle is is only a hundred nanometers.
1: But that is the so. That is the. That is the. Uh, yeah, it's more. So that is the diameter. Mm-hmm. So it's one hundred and twenty diameter of a crater coated vesicle of let's say sixty-three skillions. These one that are shown here are a little larger. Uh, the the point that you have to think is that uh, the the distance we can check maybe my measure my the measure that I am telling you is maybe is a little larger than expected, but you have to think that this is on the surface of the sphere, it's not the diameter on the sphere, so it's longer.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um oh, I, so-
4: so, this we takes can check
1: for... it because, but these, you know, the beauty of crossing-content vesicle, I think, is that we know so much about the structures and the, the done by cryo-EM and so on that uh, it is interesting because you can really do all these uh, cool measurements and count the number of molecules and get all these quantitative biology and correlate it with the. Uh, um, structures and dynamics by imaging that becomes very interesting because they're a very good model to study how things happen and maybe you know i I, uh, I may
2: be wrong well
4: so are they fairly regular in size then i guess from the geometry they they should be but
1: so um they are different from for sure, tissue to tissue. So, for example, the, the one that were purified by Barbara Pierce at the, uh, in the 70s uh, were from brain and brain generally does much smaller codes. So what happens is that no matter what, if you want to close the vesicle, you need roughly 12 pentagons. You you cannot close a structure with less than 12 pentagons, this is what no. you need, right? Now no. the more eggs you put, the larger will be the structure. So. The smaller one that is uh, thought to be, I think, is the so-called barrel, and so this is like a, like a small barrel, and basically this is the the minimum amount of hexagon t- together with the pentagon. So we are talking about I think 36, triskelion total. Okay. Um, the typical one that we assume that we see in uh, in um, cells and we use as an example of typical object is in the range of 63 skillions. So it's the soccer soccer ball, right? And this is the one that is in the range of 100 nanometer, 100. uh, Yeah, 100 nanometer that has basically inside the vesicle of 80. In the case of the work we have done here, because we wanted to be sure to have the possibility to clearly see the donut, right? Because this is the problem of, of resolution. We run the
2: simulations, on vesicle with made of one hundred and forty triskillions or one hundred and
1: eighty triskillions, and these are the pictures that are shown in uh, B and D of Figure one. Hmm, okay, the the, the 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 imaging part we were able to discriminate the distance you see on the donuts. If you look at the figure, I think, uh, the example, for example, is the figure three, for example, uh, of 100 roughly nanometer from one edge to the other. So maybe are in that size or a little smaller, you see 100, 122, depends, the maximum area 122, you see the minimum we can discriminate is 100 nanometer. So these objects that we are studying here are fluctuating between 120 to 100 nanometer edge to edge. So they may be a little slightly larger than the the, the traditional uh, soccer ball. And and they are, let's say, in agreement with the size of 143 skillion uh, and 183 skillion shown in the figure one. So they are a little larger. So each cell, Mm -hmm. let's say, can build vesicle with uh, that are slightly larger or smaller than than the typical soccer ball, and also the small one can be present. So the only way to unambiguously tell you which size of the vesicle you are working with is, uh, is to have, a, let's say, a calibrated microscope where you can actually count the triskelion that you are recruiting in the vesicle. Mm-hmm.
4: And, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh I was just gonna so the time scale is it takes about a minute for these things to form um
1: traditionally uh, what you yeah what you would say is that uh, is that uh, one minute is roughly the the lifetime of a cutting-coated vesicle. there are some again you know it's not a i mean it's not something that is always exactly the same. So, there are some that can take a little longer depend also on the cell line, depends on the, you know, depend on the size fundamentally of the vesicle. You can assume that uh, you have the recruitment of 1 trillion per second. This is roughly what is assumed. If you want to do, you know, a approximative evaluation, but again, the average is, let's say, 45 to 60 second. There are objects longer lived than those. There are objects shorter lived than those. But let's say when you are looking at 60 second codes, is a, a code that is most likely of the size of a soccer ball. So this one that are a little larger may take a little longer. Yeah, as you can see, for example, in the case of uh, you know, of the uh, figure two, you can see that the, the the object we show we show in BSC one that they are. Tends to be uh, the, the typical one studied uh, in the early 2000. You can see that they are in the range of 48 to 60 seconds, 48, 42, and the ones, for example, in code seven seems to be a little longer in time, it takes 120 seconds, the one that we show. So there is clearly a
2: variability in the in the lifetime of the objects, and depends on, I mean, on many factors that. But let's say, for example, this is one of the reasons why it's
1: difficult to conceive that clathrin coated vesicle are the only way to recycle membrane at the synaptic terminal, right? Because it will take too long to make
2: clathrin coated vesicle to recycle all the synaptic vesicles, right? So there are many other mechanisms involved there.
4: I guess I'm also curious if uh, lipid rafts interfere with the process, or is it does it generally happen? Um, in the more in in um, more fluid membranes.
1: No, yeah, so the lipid rafts are not involved in the formation of coated vesicles. Usually, in lipid raft, you have the segregation of GPI anchored protein. These are the ones that usually are in lipid raft. And in general, uh, high rigidity tends to result into the formation of flat objects on the plasma membrane. Yeah, uh, I, would, also of I would think it would be here, mm-hmm.
4: but if the length scale is large enough, it may capture them. But then, you'd be taking receptors or whatever you know was in the raft, you know, with you. So,
1: but you know the, the uh the 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 beauty of this system is, for example, that the receptors that are captured by uh, clathrin coated vesicle are receptors that in general have motifs. Um, peptide motifs that binds to the adaptor protein complex, AP2, to the adaptor calm, for example, or to clathrin itself. So, in general, the protein that binds uh, in general to the adaptor. So, in general, for example, in the case of the AP2, the typical motif is the so-called tyrosine motif. And for my knowledge, I'm not sure that uh, uh, protein associated with lipid raft in general have the tyrosine motive. Instead, for example, protein associated with lipid raft usually are internalized through other mechanisms of endocytosis, for example, the so-called uh, uh, glyc or or the one, for example, of cholera toxin, right, Cavioli or other kind of stuff like that, because they are let's say different kind of mechanisms. This is mm-hmm. for my mm-hmm. general knowledge, but and. Uh, because they are GPI anchored protein and they usually don't get in through clathrin. They are clathrin independent endocytosis. For example, i give you an example. Um, EGF receptor has a tyrosine motif and is generally internalized through clathrin. However, if uh, the concentration, the stimulation of EGF goes above a certain threshold, and now the stimulation is too high, and um, clathrin cannot, let's say, do the job internalize all of the receptor. It is also internalized by cluttering independent mechanisms. Uh, they still require dynamin for pinching, but that are different and has been shown uh, pretty recently that this mechanism, for example, require a, a, a reticulum, one that is a protein involved in the ER assembling or whatever. So is a completely different mechanism. So now you can see that also protein that may be internalized through cluttering coated vesicle may have and use other mechanism in certain kind of condition. EGF uh, receptor, for example, is one of those. So may, maybe also the opposite. So the, the idea that was that is one of the general thinking is, for example, also cholera toxin that is a typical uh, Molecule that is internalized by non clathrin mediated endocytosis. Uh, the idea is that if you give very low concentration of cholera toxin molecule, they may be internalized to clathrin. But now, if you give many molecules that tend then to uh, assemble or cluster, now you have internalization through pathways that are not clathrin mediated.
2: And so, there is a, also the a problem of those that can change the way of internalization take place. I don't know if it was uh, helpful.
4: <laughs> no, it's fascinating, fascinating. And uh, yeah, so so
1: yeah, so um, yeah, so so the the last thing I can. I can share also that I think is interesting. So, in the, on the on the plasma membrane, we don't have only these nice cartilaginous vesicles, forms very organized and so on. There are also still flat objects, right? Because because everything started with the idea that if you look at the plasma membrane and you you can see by electron microscopy flat. Patches of cluttering that are just hexagons. So are those cluttering vesicles? No, these are so these are plaques, we call them plaques, and they are internalized to through completely different mechanisms that requires acting, for example, and are involved in, uh, in, uh, in uh, integrating uh, assembly. However, from some of these disorganized objects, has been shown that at the edges of these objects cluttering-coded vesicles can form probably by breaking their linkage through the flat part and start to form a dome and if you look for example in figure seven here we showed that if you look at how uh, so you can have you have patches and you can see that the patches of cluttering completely correspond to the patch of ap2 so if you look at figure a you can see that the yellowish and the cyan picture completely overlap and also, their profile, if you look through these lines. So, this suggests that TP2 and Clatin are together there all the time. If you do the same analysis, but in this case, you use the adapter protein CALM and Clatin, now you can see that the assembly of CALM is much more discrete, only in some areas, right? So, unfortunately, we didn't have the, the possibility to do three colors and look at all together, right? So, this is clearly something that would be nice to do in the future. But now you can see that basically what happens is that the, 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 the calm is much more clusterized in areas that seems to correspond to budding vesicles from this large structure, suggesting that basically um, uh, it is possible that uh, what calm does is able, it can influence the membrane to induce curvature. And this is interesting for two reasons. Number one, because it has been shown that uh, cluttering vesicles that are much more enriched in uh, calm tend to be smaller because calm basically helps do doing a higher kind of curvature and then result in smaller objects. Instead, when you have a lot of AP2, now you have larger vesicles. So this goes also back to the argument you you were saying before, right? Are all the coated vesicles the same? No, no, because, for example, cells can express different amount of calm or other adapters. And the concentration of the adapters in the cell, or maybe we can even argument on the in, lo, in the, lo, the local concentration of that or may drive the formation of vesicles with a larger or uh, uh, smaller diameter due to the change of the curvature that we can impose on the underneath membrane. And CALM seems to be one of the protein involved in this. Uh, and And this can be important for example during development and here basically what we show is that uh, cal most likely is uh, recruited only in the area that are starting to give curvature to the region and therefore uh, it is possible that is involved in the breaking of the plaques and the generation of the vesicle at the sides of this uh, flat array that are still let's say again a vesicle that uh, will be growing in,
2: in as, as a normal coated vesicle so with the constant curvature um, yeah, and then basically this is uh, all uh, uh, the story, and uh, I don't know if you. I hope.
3: We'll... Yeah, I was... Oh no, uh, no, I was just gonna talk about. Uh, it's. I think this is very interesting, right? Um, and I'm not gonna lie. I look at both of the models, and to a degree, both of them seemed plausible. Like it could happen that way, but I think the the constant curvature model to me personally makes a lot of sense. So, um, but just kind of asking what are some of the the ways in which, you know, we can apply the results of this research and probably other um other avenues of biomedical research or something like that. Like what what do you think? What are your thoughts on maybe some future projections on where how we can build upon this one?
1: So, this, you know, is a uh... Is a is a work that is elucidating a, a specific molecular mechanism. I think that one of the application of understanding very well endocytosis is, is to uh, being able to understand how we can build a better nanovector for drug delivery. This, for sure, I think, is one of the avenues where uh, being able to understand how how we bend the membrane and we curve the membrane can be helpful to allow us to understand how. We should design a, a vector for being able to be internalized efficiently. For example, this is a, is an ongoing problem in general. So how, how we should design those? Um, and for a, I think that you know the 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 I, I don't have a, a, an answer on how we can use the basic information like this. I think that this is let's say is an important uh, problem to understand how a process work in general. Um, and for example, in our case, uh, what is, can be interesting is the proportional the proportional expression of different adapters because it can lead to different kind of mechanisms of signaling. Right? So the presence, for example, of CALM um, is important because it's uh, overexpressed in many cancers. And so from my perspective, for example, um, the idea that you can have a different concentration of adapter leads to a different way of doing endocytosis means that uh, there is a different way in the cell of how you switch off signaling, right? Because the endocytosis is also involved in signaling, as I was mentioning before, for the GF receptor. So in this case, understanding which is the relation between receptor stimulation and endocytosis and which kind of object we are going to build according to the different expression of adapters can lead to understanding how differently we can use, for example, drugs that can block signaling can be uh, a good avenue to treat, for example, form of cancers, right? So there is all a business about uh, uh, understanding how we can increase the internalization, for example, of ligands such as antibody into cells through endocytosis. And again, they the, the number of receptors we are binding or clusterizing could affect the way the dynamic of the endocytosis can take place. And so we are working around these kind of problems, uh, especially focusing on calm to understand how uh calm is involved actually in the in the
2: in the in the um, growth of cancer. Uh, again um the interesting part
1: for our perspective perspective in the lab is the fact that the amount of calm can help forming radical vesicle within in the increase of membrane tension and this is important because during migration or when cells are extremely round now the tension is maximum so having more calm can be more helpful for uh, forming vesicle there because you have more tension Um, and therefore the ability to change this kind of uh, proportion may lead to decreasing the ability of certain kind of cells of internalizing nutrients, for example, and maybe we can def- develop more drugs that are more cytostatic than cytotoxic, for example,
2: for in, in
1: cancer, and therefore, slow down a disease rather than, and, and, the, and target only cells that are, let's say, uh, cancer cells, without affecting too much the rest of the cells that maybe don't need really this kind of mechanism because they are not subjected to such stress or membrane tension. I don't know if it was a good answer. Yeah,
3: no, it was. No, no, no. Yeah, no, sorry, go ahead. (laughs)
1: no no go ahead please please
3: oh yeah no i was just saying it makes total sense right um because if you're looking for instance um cancers that are specific receptor positive right and you're talking about the interaction between um, membrane receptor and vesicle formation like things like that it definitely does um kind of consult drug formation um and thinking about how some of these particles can be up like be taken into the the cell to react on pathways that are occurring within the cell and when you understand exactly how the cell works it makes it easier for you to design certain um Therapeutics that attacks certain specific different types of cells. So um, yeah, I wasn't trying to like put you in a hard spot when I asked that question, I just thought it would be nice maybe to have that um, on record, you know, as part of the recording, like explaining exactly how this can be applied. But it is very important research um, because the people who create um, drugs and who do research on um, diseases, they have to understand the basis of it, exactly how these mechanisms work, because that's how you can figure out a specific um, point in the pathway that you can attack and hence maybe inhibit something. So there are a lot of drugs that inhibit certain pathways um, that um, contribute to cancer. So for instance, the, the, the drug tamoxifen, right? So that one, it basically blocks the 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 formation of transcription um, trans- transcriptional. Uh, um, it it blocks precisely the transcription that occurs within the cell nucleus. So when that happens, is that yes you have the uh, the, the 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 transcription factors in there, but there's no gene expression, and that is kind of how it. it it like helps to regulate um, er positive cancer and so if we didn't know exactly how that pathway works we don't know what part of that pathway to attack so it's definitely really important um, research and i just want to thank you for for sharing that yeah thank you
1: thank you yeah No, you know yeah so so yeah, I think that the the you know, the, the endocytosis as a, and the membrane trafficking is something a little overlooked in general from the perspective of uh, drug targeting. And uh, I think that there are coming out more and more works where it's demonstrated that the modification of uh, the expression of protein that are involved in trafficking actually have a huge impact in the cancer growth. And I have to say that one of the problems we have um, is that in general, all our studies are, are done in cancer cells, right? So that, that is a that is a little a contradiction because then it's difficult to know what is really the uh, normal cell behavior. But I can tell you, for example, already when you look at cells, um, HeLa cells, for example, have a very small amount of can- uh, and. And instead, for example, the breast cancer, SAM159, have a huge amount of cal and their dynamics in cardiac vesicle formation is completely different And how they internalize transferring is uh, has a different dynamics. And this is part of the reason why there are also controversy between the studies done in different groups, right? Because they're using completely different models that have completely different expression of proteins and um, I, I believe that understanding how, as you were saying, right, understanding how this process works, and you have to think that uh, forming a critical vesicle require like, like something like more than 60 proteins, right, that are orchestrating and interacting one with the other, clearly changing the dynamics by having different concentration of each one of those can dramatically change the behavior of the cell. So um, I, I, I believe that this uh, is a topic that will come up uh, much stronger and is already coming up in the in the general concept of how we can target for sure cancer, that is what I'm working on, and as a general importance
2: also in the drug delivery field at large, uh, that I think that is relevant. Yeah,
0: definitely. I wanted to give a very practical example, a friend of mine has a type of cancer that um, ideally you don't want to touch you just want to um, stop the growth because um, those are filled with hormones and in that case it's a serotonin in the body so if you touch it and um, with some sort of drug to destroy the cancer it can release such an amount of hormones that you will just die immediately so the approach for those type of cancers is to ideally just completely stop the growth but leave them alone. And so there are various types of these. So this would be, for example, a very practical approach to just stop the growth instead of killing the cancer.
6: Yeah. Thank you. I have a question, a simple question regarding the uh, geometry. Uh, it seems that um, uh, you're uh, artificially making a sphere is that correct from the uh, 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 hexagons or you say
5: you have mixture of hexagons and other things but 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 on the paper seems to be you're showing the hexagonal skeleton uh, do you have a mixture
4: hybrid of back hexagon maybe pentagon something
1: so the the Hexagons and pentagons are the, let's say, product of the assembling of objects that basically are just like, uh, um, that are, that are triscyllium, so are like uh, uh, objects that have uh, uh, three legs.
2: So so, uh, yeah, you mean mean basically?
1: So the basic, so the basic, so the problem of this paper here, you know, is that there is not a drawing of the basic unit. Uh, The basic unit is. uh, Let me see if there is. Because you know, this is because the problem is that one is in its own field, and then since you know, and here I don't, I don't have a way to show you.
2: Yeah, it is never a picture. So basically, the the. the basic unit is called the Triskelion and
1: Catherine triskelia. and basically, he's a, an object that has three legs, let's say. And I don't know, I mean, is funny because I, I'm Italian, but the symbol of this island Sicily is so called Triskelion as well. Basically, the Triskelion of Catherine are called for that uh, uh, mythological, basically, the mythological uh, uh, god that has a, a, a the head in the center and this has the three legs that are really three legs that have basically the uh, the knees right in the middle. So it has the leg, the knees and then the foot, right? And then the triskelion of Catherine is very similar. So I have the hub in the center and then as the three legs that are basically built into two parts and then an extension that is the beta hinge. That is basically the foot and is where it binds to a 2 and there's a, are... there's a
4: really good picture on the Wikipedia entry for uh, Clatherin. There's some good structural pictures. Thank you. I have a,
6: a question. The uh, so in your uh, result that you presented are sip by simulation, right?
1: So, so the simulation is uh, required. So we did the simulation. To, build, to, to to help the audience to understand which is the result that is expected. So we said, if you have a flat lattice, what would be the expectation using this instrumentation? And if we have a flat lattice that then does a flat to curve transition. And what is the expectation if we have a constant curvature? So we did the simulation, but then we measured the formation of the vesicle in true living cells in many different cell types and many tissues uh and actually the tissue data is the first uh,
2: tissue data uh of this kind of type uh, ever
6: published uh, so which figure has this uh uh measured uh, curvature data can you point me to a figure which figure so so
1: the, so the simulation is basically figure 1 uh figure 2 is an example of the data and you can see each one is a cell type. So, some one five nine is the is the breast cancer cell, and I was mentioning BSC one cells are the green monkey cell fibroblast
2: and cells are the mouse fibroblast, uh, and then embryo claret emerald in the is the is the amniocerosis. Did I see correctly?
6: Okay, so so n- uh, figure two is uh, the measured. I'll cover data. Is that correct?
2: Give me one second. Uh, OK, so figure one is the simulation. Figure two is the, yeah, it's the SAM159
1: BC1 cause seven cells and the embryo data. So this is true data. And then uh, figure three is uh, true data again. Here we show in two cell lines where we can
2: define the. the and the separation done by the don- donuts, right? No, no, we did we did true measurements. This was actually is a pretty was a, a pretty intense uh, uh, experiment sessions <laughs> and data uh, data analysis. There is a lot of uh, code development to analyze the data. Uh, that's great. So
6: this is excellent, you know, um, uh, work that are you uh, are you presenting. I'm just curious, the Uh, In order to, because I don't understand the the flat uh, coverage model to begin with very well, so I just uh, so in your figure one there uh, the so one could you like in your experiment uh, just measure uh, the uh, so I guess my question is I don't see a can can you repeat the figure F. Like a, a measurement uh, of your simulation by a real experiment as well. Uh, so, we, which figure do you want? The figure, figure one F. The so, uh, what I understand the the straight line of the intensity increasing is the uh, until it's you know still uh, flat, right? So flat on whatever substrate. Ah,
1: yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, I got lost. Okay, so yeah, sure, sure, yeah so basically this is the one right so so when the flat object is building up right you will have always the molecules near to the glass you agree uh, my, my, so question, if you look... yes.
6: my question is the can you do this uh, uh repeat this simulation uh uh pattern i mean the result from uh, uh experiments is that uh are there like uh, Experimental data uh, show this uh, pattern as well.
1: So, no, we were not able to show the flat-to-curve because uh, in our hands, at least, katerin vesicle never do flat-to-curve. The data that, w- when we do the data, the data that we get is much more uh, similar
2: to the constant curvature model.
6: That's what I thought, because I thought, the to begin with, a flat uh Coverage model seems to be contrived in a way because you don't have such a perfect flat surface to begin with, right? So, um, anyway, so uh, if it's, I mean, the so you're 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 um, arguing against uh, 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 refuting the uh, flat coverage model, and uh, for that to happen, there there seems to be a critical point for the structure. Uh, instability to kick in, right? So I, I saw this uh, in keyword instability arise uh, uh, many times. So that seems to be very significant uh, face. I mean, kink or, or a, a, a feature in the whole process that must have uh, reflections at other because it's a discontinuous discontinuity, continuity, right? So. Uh, so there's probably probably biological you know, energy process you can follow there i mean if it's a continuous then the flat model doesn't make sense right also also add up to the uh support of your thesis i i, I completely agree with you so the, the the problem
1: is exactly this one so the problem is that you know in the 80s they postulated this idea because they were looking at the They were unroofing cells and looking at the assembled cluttering patches on the plasma membrane. And they were seeing uh, small uh, flat patches and then uh, a little larger flat patches and then uh, round patches, right? And then because I think our brain is very good in trying to make a story out of what we see, the idea was there is a flat to curve transition and maybe the the transition and this change is where the energy kick in to change the shape of the membrane, right? So, because you know, the, the problem is that uh, the, 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 the growth of the science come always also with the data that you can collect. So, at the time, there was no sufficient resolution. There was not even fluorescence, right, to look how the dynamics of formation of cortical vesicles can happen because we're the 80s. And so they started with this idea. And then basically, this uh, there was a big debate because as you were saying, there is a strong, let's say um, instability that is necessary to move from the completely flat to the spherical object that is very difficult to reconcile because you would have a, a completely destruction of the structure and then reassembling of it that is very difficult to conceive, right? So people were saying when they did then the structural biology of cluttering saying it's impossible that this can take place because when the triskelion assemble, they don't disassemble so easily, ATP is necessary. So there was a lot of argument against this model already. And then lately in the uh, 2015, 2018 came out a series of papers saying that they were using correlative microscopy, so EM and uh, total internal reflection microscopy claiming that this technology was now able to solve the problem because there was the dynamics and the electron microscopy. But in reality, this was false because it was again a way to look at uh, the uh, picture in EM. And try to make a story of the picture looking that, that we were seeing without actually having the continuum, the continuum measurement of how the vesicle is developing over time. And so when we discussed this paper with uh, um, Chomel Corallo, Dr. Corral, that is also a very good friend of mine, we were we we got an illumination, right? We said, wow, well, with turf seam, that's the right way to go, because this gives you not only the time resolution, but also the um, the um, spatial resolution to really see if there is a flat object that change shape, or is actually just an object that grows constantly, keeping most likely the same uh, the, the same curvature, right? And this you can do because you have the expectation that in the constant curvature model you have a constant area that maybe more or less you are projecting, right? And this is what is shown in the second part. And then the intensity change and reach a plateau, and then slightly increase again, as I showed you later, right? And so and so from that, let's in an unbiased way, what we did was just to collect data to understand if our data was going toward one or the other option pretty unbiased let's say we come from a school <laughs> because we both were uh, just to give you some background right? we both were alum- we, we were in the lab of tonkir cousin and he is one of, of the uh, major contribution because vesicle field and uh, many structure work about how cartoon assemble and then move to microscopy and so on so we are embedded in this kind of environment where we were a little already more towards the uh, the, the constant curvature model, but let's say our experiment are unbiased in the way that we had the model and we said, let's measure it and let's see what we see, right? And what we saw is something that is uh, much more in
2: agreement with the um, constant curvature than with the uh, flat to curve transition. Now,
6: clearly you That's... can... Sorry. Uh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So the, um, uh, I think it might be uh, other reports that uh, have done on uh, various different uh, substrate. Like say, I'm, I'm, mean, I'm trying to, uh, 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 check the, you know, if I got the picture correct that, uh, you have a, a lipid uh, cell membrane, uh, whatever type of membrane, and you have this. Uh, uh, particular uh, protein, uh, clathrin, like uh, like single molecule, like uh, uh, floating around. Then somehow they, they self assembly and into and building up, building up t- towards. If it's a flat so called flat uh, 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 model, that uh, they just uh, uh, self assembly as they floating uh, on the surface of the cell. Uh, is that correct? Uh, I mean,
1: they 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 assemble by um, they sell they assemble together with other molecules. So this is a very complex system that is that is orchestrated by the assembly of many different molecules. Adaptor protein complexes are essential because they are bridging between the plasma membrane and clathrin. What we see here is either clathrin. Or some adaptor protein complex like epidermal, or, or one or or two of them together at the same time. So you have to think that, that there is always a limitation in the our experiment design because we, for example, had no the possibility of acquiring no more than two channels per time. So we could only look at two proteins at the same time. But these are cells, so you have to think that is crowded of many molecules, right? So so it. The, the the protein is assembling together with the adaptor protein complexes and other molecules, including receptors that are recruited in the vesicle while it is assembled. Um, so yes, it's it is assembly self-assembling but also assembling with
2: other units. It's a very complex uh, process. Uh
6: then the the, the result the resulting um vesicles uh, I mean seems to be a specific uh, it's quite a, a definite structure with a, a, a certain number of molecules according to your figure right so then that indicates that somehow the uh, the unit uh, be it one molecule or, or, or a, a few a group of molecule, uh, the unit, uh, uh, one units can be considered, say, uh, say, uh, uh, uh one uh, ver- uh, vertices of the uh, the final uh, 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 crystal structure that we have, and uh, so then the inter, I mean, be- the between two units, then the tension or whatever, uh, definitely it's much larger. I mean, sh- shall be larger than the. Uh, I mean, the tension is, is larger than the cell, right? So I, I guess I'm curious, the, in, in order for tension to build up, there's, uh, what is the bio, uh, is just sheer, uh, uh, are there like bio, uh, bio-like process participating in terms of energy? And I haven't, you know, had time to, uh, b- Go into the detail of the uh, the paper. Yeah.
2: So
1: yeah. I not know. So so in this case, um, the so the membrane tension. The problem of the membrane tension and how cells counteract membrane tension uh, to do many of their uh, or let's say uh, things necessary for their life is is a, is another very large field of uh, research. Right. So. The idea, for example, is that if you so so the the membrane the membrane tension is especially maximum when you consider a cell that is completely round, right? So in the case of these cells that are uh, growing flat, and we are looking at the bottom of the cells, we expect a little higher tension on the bottom of the cells than compared to the surface top surface of the cell. But let's say in general, if you don't expose them to strong tension, they, they, let's say, are more or less in an equilibrium, right? They may be migrating, but fundamentally is in an equilibrium, and you cannot really measure tension. To measure tension, usually you have to use, uh, for example, you have to use different devices where you can apply tension or you can, for example, pull membrane from the cell and measure how long this membrane is uh, pulled and uh, and apply tension in this way, there are some papers, for example, that are interesting, where you can squeeze the cell, and in this way, you can increase the tension. And in that case, you can see that basically, you can block, for example, the formation of vesicle, or you can, for example, expose the cells to hyposmotic shock. This would lead water, right, running faster into the cell, and this would lead to an increase in membrane tension, that would then change the dynamic of the cell. So using this approach, for example, we have demonstrated that uh, um, if, you, if the shock is too strong, vesicle cannot form at all, for example, if the shock is mild, the vesicle can still form and the concentration of calm, for example, in the cell can affect the, the capability of the cells to counteract this tension and still finish the vesicle. So so let's say there is always a certain kind of tension that is there because there is a continuous equilibrium, right? Of trying to forming a vesicle. So you are you have to take membrane from the surface to form the vesicle. So this in a perfect world, let's say if the membrane is infinite, maybe there is not tension. But if in the same time you have actin cytoskeleton that keeps a shape, the cells is trying to move somewhere, there can be a local tension that can be different from one area to the cell to the other. And this may depends also how the cell is attached to the substrate where the cells is moving,
2: right? So in these experiments, we didn't uh, measure in the same time tension uh, in general,
1: So, so I cannot comment on tension in this context. If this just was the I, question, otherwise it got lost.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just to add to that, what's really cool about the clathrin structures is, you know, if you think of the soccer ball, they they bind along the edges of the uh, of the hexagons and and uh, pentagons. The, um what it leaves is a fairly flat surface on the faucets for the membranes. So it's a pretty strategic uh, approach to. Um, to avoid having to induce a, a curvature on the membrane per se, because they get uh, compartmentalized and, and segmented. It's really kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I think is uh, yeah. I tell you, I I find this structure extremely fascinating because this uh, is extremely ge- there is a lot of geometry and uh, and there is uh, you know th- there is a lot of information about this structure. So so it's possible really to. Look at them and correlate what is happening in the coat in real time with the 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 the, the electron microscopy picture and the structural information that we have about about the object. So and and coming back to what you are saying, also yes, the 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 membrane is uh, is 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 retaining to the vesicle, right? And and the vesicle is slightly smaller. So there is there an interesting paper where they reconstructed by cryo EM the vesicles. And then you can see that the, sorry, all the coat, right? So the coat plus the membrane inside, and you can see that basically the membrane tends to be more on one side of the coat, most likely because it is more near to the portion of the clotting coated vesicle where it starts to grow, and then is clo- closed down in a way that is not completely symmetrical. It's, it's pretty
2: interesting uh, work, um, and uh, and so I mean, yeah, I think I think I think this is fascinating how they assemble.
5: um hi emmanuel uh, i've been listening to your presentation uh, really great stuff um so i have like a couple of questions first one is that you used um storm and as far as i know i think storm can actually go to like 15 nanometers resolution just wondering like what was the limiting factor for you to obtain about sort of like 100 uh, nanometer resolution if you there was a possibility for you to go deeper, or were you compromising the temporal resolution um, uh, to, like you know, getting the kind of uh, action like lateral resolution that you would get from those um, from those irides? Um Yeah, that will be my first question. Uh, thank you very much for the question. I, I I agree with you. So so our
1: system is a, a sim system. So the advantage is that. Um, We can relatively faster build an image than compared to storm where you have to sample each single point, right? And uh, so I think we had an advantage in time resolution using this system. Um, Still, we used uh, six to nine images for each one of these plane, and this is the reason why, despite we have a good time resolution, uh, still we have a, a, a frame. I think every Three, six seconds. And this uh, clearly is uh, limited compared to having a, 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 a very detailed uh, time resolution. So let's say, as in everything, um, you, there is always a trade off, right? So the more images you would acquire in SIM to get the perfect resolution, the more you will tend to bleach faster your sample, the more will be difficult to get more uh, coat over time that forms, the less. Uh, Images you will get per time point, the less resolution we will get, but the longer you will do imaging, and so in our case it was a trade-off, as you said, to get the uh, optimal or sufficient, let's say, resolution to get the exact uh, shape that we require to project uh, the areas efficiently, and the and the Sufficient, uh, let's say, time resolution to investigate completely
2: the process that we were looking at. But we,
1: we didn't also have an, an access to storm, but I think that for this kind of experiment, storm would have been, in my opinion, too slow. But I, never, I don't have a direct experience, so I don't know how fast now you can go with storm. And the other thing is, storm in general, no, storm you, you use uh, photoactivable uh, fluorescent proteins, right?
5: Yeah, I think so, and I think Stead might also yeah. have like faster sampling rate as opposed to Storm, but I could be wrong. I think uh, Palm and FPalm might be kind of slower. Uh, I don't know how well they do with regards to resolution, but. but yeah, I think with Storm, you're basically trying to compromise. um, Like you just said, like, you know, that the resolution, to, like resolving the lateral resolution will be... A difficult one might take some time when you go um, for smaller uh, wavelength. So, my second question was that maybe um, considering this kind of obstacle, was there during the study, was there pos- like um, um, at least an idea to kind of increase the vesicle side? You mentioned that calm actually uh, or depletion of calm um increases the vesicle size so uh in order to overcome this resolution these uh the resolution problem uh was there um did you actually consider maybe reducing columns so that you can kind of verify um the sort of like the flat lattice to like the pit formation uh theory um because like i i believe that you know if you have conclusive evidence that you may not be even been be forced to do simulation so i um, just i'm just curious like uh um if you actually try to regulate the the vesicle size
1: it's a very interesting and uh, uh, nice idea so we didn't uh, thought to explore this direction um because also we didn't want to perturbate the system so we want just to give the measurement of how the vesicles are forming in general and so this is the reason why we explore different cell lines expressing only markers that to our knowledge and our experience do not perturbate how a cuttrain coated vesicle form normally because we wanted to give experiment that demonstrated the 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 model that we were looking at was the most near to reality Right, uh, but yes. So the yeah we I so is known. You know, for example, that if you deplete calm, you get also let clathrin coated
2: vesicle um, depend. Okay, depends on the cells. So if you if you deplete calm, you get larger
1: vesicle in general, and this has been demonstrated. But we didn't thought we didn't think to change the behavior of the cells to try to investigate the, the 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 system in the most kind of natural way possible. This is also the reason why we look at different cell lines to try to give a, a paradigm of how the clathrin encoded vesicle form without perturbating the system too much. That was the idea. But I think is a is a is a good possibility to let's say maybe change the proportion of some adapters to Push having larger vesicle, for example, or or uh, uh, slowing down the process per se, right? That could be also useful because if you would be having less molecule recruited per time point, maybe you could
2: uh, acquire more images and get a higher resolution. I, I th- that are possible approaches that could be explored. I think it's a good idea. Thank you. Gotcha. Gotcha.
5: Thank you for that. Uh, and also, I guess like you kind of answered this indirectly, uh, but um besides the you know kind of playing around with the with column and other kind of um uh, or sort of like the triscalions um the co- concentration that can basically aggregate and form these vesicles or at least like cleave off these vesicles um is there any kind of mechanical way to kind of regulate the vesicle size um I think you probably covered a couple of these, but I'm just wondering if there was a method or approach that can actually increase the vesicle size using uh, mechanical forces.
1: I am not aware that anyone has ever been able. So so the problem is that, you know, the, the only parameter that can tell you if the vesicle is larger is uh, the intensity of the fluorescence of the cluttering coats that are assembling. Uh, I don't know if anyone have tried to see if uh, so so when I was looking for example at the assembling of uh, clathrin coated vesicle in the presence of uh, sorry so assembly of clathrin coated vesicle upon increased in membrane uh, tension by osmotic shock I was looking at clathrin but uh, in that case, my experiments were not calibrated and the cells were transiently transfected with the uh, clathrin uh, marker. So I couldn't um, unambiguously uh, understand if the increase of membrane tension would uh, result into larger coats. But I could say that more calm, because the calm was instead the generated protein, so it was always the same per cell, that there was more calm. Recruited uh, per cladding coated vesicle to close the vesicle. Um, and this, I agree with you, would be a very interesting experiment that one could do to see if the change in membrane tension would lead to larger coats. And I would say that most likely this would be the case because now would be more difficult to close the vesicle. So now you would build a larger vesicle
2: because the curvature would be uh, less. Uh, high and so will be more easy to close even if there is a higher membrane tension. Uh,
1: But yeah, to my knowledge, I don't know if anyone have ever tried to do it in a calibrated way to being unambiguously able to say how much larger the coat is forming upon membrane
2: tension increase or other mechanical stresses that I am aware of. Yeah,
0: thank you so much um, for this wonderful presentation and for all the questions it's I'm getting quite late and you talked over an hour and a half so I want to give you a chance to um, to uh, yeah stop <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah this was such a wonderful presentation I'm, um, yeah you explained it so well and um, so and it was a quite technical a paper for a general audience, but I think, uh, yeah, it was really great. So I appreciate it and I appreciate that I learned that uh, there's not really too much energy needed for that process. It's always impressive to me also that action potentials really don't require uh, also much energy. So I always ask myself all the brain imaging um, that we do based on Um, you know, sugar, um, uh, physiology, I don't know, for uh, action potentials, we really don't need too much, so (laughs) I always ask myself if it's the right way, but um, anyway, so yeah, thank you so much, um, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it too, and uh, hopefully you come back, we have you know, um, more um, guest speaker events, um, like tonight's coming up. Um, so yeah, please always come back and um, maybe share also an update on your projects or another project. We always welcome you back. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much um, to everyone for giving me the opportunity uh, of presenting. Thank you very much, Katrina, for the invitation and for everyone for the time and the nice question and yes no please I, I I'm not very familiar with the, uh, the clubhouse. club house, so for me it's the second time that i'm on this platform and'm still not very able to orient myself but uh, um, please let me know uh, about other presentation and it would be fun to join and uh, uh, listen about uh, other research <laughs> that
0: that was a great. Um, introduction to what I usually do in the end is uh, uh, tell everyone what's coming up next. So that was perfect. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, tomorrow at 1 p.m. EST, we have from Oxford uh, Dr. Cunningham ca- uh, talking about uh, white dwarf accreting planetary material, his recent publication. So, we have a physics um, room. Uh, tomorrow and then we'll have on um, Friday at 8 p.m. EST Dr. Mavridou coming and she will talk about her really interesting research about breaking antimicrobial resistance um, yeah so um, that will be also really interesting and then on the weekend we have a uh, Dr. Pridyarshini talking about suppressing genes across generations and Dr. Lee from NIH coming to speak about how mitochondria act as microlenses in cone cells. And, yeah, next week we'll have how neurons find their place during development and many other uh, time crystals and how Google makes them with Charles um, Choi. So, yeah, we'll have a lot of rooms covering different um, areas of science and technology. So. Yeah, follow the club and um, hopefully i see everyone back. And thank you, Emmanuel, for this wonderful yeah. evening.
4: Actually, yeah, thanks,
5: can Emmanuel.
4: I uh, just uh,
5: ask one more question, uh, Emmanuel, if you have time?
6: Actually, I, I just wanted to also uh, say my appreciation, Emmanuel, and. Uh, uh, it's a, a really uh, fascinating that the presentation you give on the very interesting work, and uh, especially there's a, a lot of, uh, I think, in your paper. I mean, I see the also uh, mentioned by Serena the uh, Wikipedia uh, link. I saw the uh, the stackable-like structure, so that's extremely interesting. I mean, given that uh, it's very symmet- uh, a lot of symmetries built in, in building. and also uh, from an uh, engineering engineer perspective carrying out the experiments. It's just so challenging. So this uh, again, uh, thanks for, you know, sharing. And also, uh, as a, uh, because you're new to Clubhouse, so uh, there's a function of uh, back channel. I, I followed you, and uh, I also shared a, uh, a paper, uh, 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 just, you know, just a um, uh, 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 random search uh, uh, a few moments ago, I thought will be relevant. I, I'm I post that uh, link as a question to you. The title is the thermodynamics and dynamics of the formation of cervical uh, lipid vesicles. So apparently the constitute to, uh, the units of that vesicle is uh, lipids. cell. so it's definitely different from uh, your your work here. But I'm just curious what what's your comment on the uh, uh, because we're limited by time uh, of this session. Yeah, really looking forward to uh, uh, a more uh, interesting uh, presentation, viewers. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, sorry, Hanson, I, no, allow me to cut in.
5: Uh, no worries, no worries. Or just uh, ask Emmanuel uh, if uh, yes, there was some time. But uh, um, I'm okay, either way. Yeah, thank you. I uh, really appreciate it, uh
0: Molto grazie, Professor Coccino. <laughs> thank
1: you very much for the, for the paper. I, I will I will look at it. I, I I don't. I'm not familiar with that work yet. Um, and yeah, if someone wants to ask another question, I'm I'm happy to answer if you want. And I would like to thank you again very much for the for the for for having appreciated. And I hope that the the work. And I hope that I, I was able to
2: to explain it uh, enough, <laughs> you know, um, thank you.
3: Yeah, it was quite interesting. Um, I definitely learned a lot from it and um, yeah, I always try to look at what are some of the possibilities moving forward, building upon this research and they're endless, honestly. So um, it was a very interesting topic. Thank you so much, Katerina.
0: Yeah, um just wanted to thank you again and um have a great evening or morning or day wherever you are around the world and uh yeah, hopefully hear you again soon. <laughs> thank you so much. Yes, Bye thank
4: everybody.
3: you. Good night everybody. Good night,
4: Bye. Okay. good night,
2: the Thank you very much.